Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Hey, what up? Welcome in. I'm Doug Gottlieb, and this is all ball, all basketball, all the time. Um, my guest for this version, this uh, podcast episode of All Ball is... Um, is a guy who I mean he's he's actually super interesting young career right and a dude who um, has already spent seven years working in the NBA and now you can follow him on social media at Scout with Brian it's Brian Obringer and he'll join us in moments a guy who was a high school tennis player loved basketball went to University of Maryland helped out was a manager with the Terps. And then said, you know what, I, I love hoop. I, I want to get involved in the NBA and has some really interesting thoughts from his time in the NBA and from the breakdowns that he does. And you can follow him again on social media. Before we get to Brian, though, I, I want to share a couple of, of additional thoughts. You know, last episode, obviously, we had Mike Martin from, from Brown. I talked a little bit about uh, college basketball and uh, th- this season. You know, saw Cade Cunningham play. And Cade, um, look, I, I think he's one of probably three guys and they're all playing in college. You could be the number one overall pick, but, but Cade is really interesting. Um, obviously, you know, having his brother as an assistant coach is a great way to get a, a really good player, but the interaction between the brothers is fascinating to me. I've, I've done, I've talked to the uh, Mike Boyden, of course, if you want to download his podcast, he tells his story. I've talked to some of the assistant coaches. I've talked to other people around the program. And granted, there's not the student interaction, whatever, this year that there normally is. And then I've talked to other coaches who didn't get Kay Cunningham. And they're like, he's the real deal, not just in terms of how he is as a basketball player, but how he is as a kid. And like that family, he's not going to stay a second year. But they're like, if there's ever a family that a kid would stay a 
second year. Like that's the family. And so look, he made a, I thought it wasn't necessarily a, a dumb move. I, I liked, I liked that in a tie game in transition, he attacked and looked to make a play when they lost to TCU a game in which first half, he doesn't score a point. The, the student section, which did have people in it, was chanting overrated. And then he took over in the second half. I, I didn't like the decision he made, but I, I like I, this, this idea sometimes of holding for a last shot um, is really interesting to me. Like sometimes, and I get like you in that particular instance in a tie game, you only want to get a shot up with four seconds or so to go. So there's takes losing out of the equation, which is exactly what happened in a questionable block charge call. I thought it was a charge actually. I thought Oklahoma State, you know, got back in transition just in time, planted their feet. But the the point is more. Uh, I can't tell you how impressed with I am with his ability to play all over the court. You know, Evan Mobley is another guy who could be the number one overall pick, and I think he's a, a stud player. What what I'm impressed by with Cade Cunningham, and I'll give my player evals. We get ready for the NBA draft. Is haven't heard anybody say anything negative about attitude, work ethic, having his brother around, no entitlement, like a, an everyday dude. And then you watch him play, and the the way really good NBA players play, like they can handle they can handle it like a point guard coming off a ball screen. He can play out of the post, and he can play off the basketball, shooting the ball as well. So it's easy to be impressed with a guy. It's like. Anthony Edwards last year, so explosive, so explosive. And the thought was like, all right, needs to become more of a guard, needs to shoot the basketball a little bit better, needs to defend with a little bit more energy, but you can see he's got an NBA body and some of it was the field around him, but there wasn't the, he didn't have the post game. He wasn't a creative passer and he definitely wasn't the adept ball handler. He just a beast athletically and a potentially a takeover a game athlete and score. I just, I've watched Cade Cunningham and I thought Penny Hardaway when I saw him in high school, but I watch him now. And I, I do remember Penny was before injury set in was really athletic. He's a lot more athletic than Penny Hardaway was, but it's, it's the type of, of player that can play out of the post can play with the ball can play without it as well. Could he defend better? Yeah. Could he shoot? Could he shoot a higher percentage? Of course, you know, uh, but it's a good job of getting the line. Good job playing off a ball screen and a great job. I think of raising the level of a team one that, and they're not great in conference play. They've been swept by TCU, although they do have a big win over Texas tech on the road. We'll see what they do against Texas this weekend. But considering Oklahoma state, under Mike Boyden had traditionally struggled the first month and a half of conference play and then figured it out all, all three seasons previously slow start. And even when Brad Underwood was the head coach, they struggled out of the gate in the big 12 and then adjusted that uh, he's, he's got that winning thing where give me the ball. I'll win the game for you. And they beat Kansas because of him that win games because of him, not in spite of him, really a rare one and done type player. And I think a rare get for whoever gets him in the number one or number two pick in the upcoming NBA draft. All right, let's, let's get to our guest. Brian O'Riggers was a, a scout in the NBA doing video for seven years. Now he does, produces his own content. He joins us now on the all ball podcast.
Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. All right, let's welcome him in. Uh, Brian O'Ringer. Brian, um, let, let's start at the beginning of your basketball life. Where'd you grow up and what were your first memories of hoop? Uh, yeah, so I grew up in Maryland. I was a big, uh, big Maryland and Wizards fan growing up. You know, loved the uh, Gilbert Arenas teams, you know, a little bit of MJ's uh, Wizards era, obviously. Uh, I worked for Gary Williams his last couple of years at the University of Maryland uh, as a student manager type. Uh, those Gravis Vasquez teams that were pretty good. Uh, ended up then working for the Washington Wizards for six years. I was the Head video coordinator for them, Brian. Brian, 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 you're going, you're going way too fast, dude. You're going like, no, this is about you, bro. Okay, you, you went, you went to college. I, I said, where you grew up, and you're like, I'm a wizard, and you start zooming through stuff. Okay, you go yeah. specifically where? Like, I grew up in Orange, California, Barrio El Medina. Like, my first basketball memories. My dad was an assistant at Long Beach State. We used to go and run around at games and. UNLV or Fresno State were the only teams that drew. They'd come to town, right? And then we became UCLA fans. And I wasn't really a Laker fan. So you grew up specifically where? I grew up specifically in Rockville, Maryland. And, uh, yeah, you know, my, my basketball, uh, you know, at least before college, wasn't all that exciting. I mean, I remember, you know, I was at the Maryland uh, Miracle Minute. They lost to Duke when we were up, what, 10 with like 54 seconds left. That was definitely – Yeah, it was just uh, on TV. That was crazy. Yeah, a pretty heartbreaking memory. But yeah, actually, you know, when I was in high school, I, I was part of that kind of moneyball generation that I read that book and really wanted to work in baseball growing up. And that's kind of what I loved, uh, you know, uh, up until college, at least. But uh, yeah, I just kind of realized once I got to college that basketball was was my real love and uh, kind of went all in uh, trying to work work there. What, what was it about basketball that made you love it? You know, just just an unbelievably beautiful game. I mean, honestly, just just playing pickup every day myself and, and watching, you know, games nonstop. I, I just love everything about the game. You know, I, I just uh, uh, I think it's you know the best game that's that's not individual. It's all about the cohesion of, of five guys playing together and, and doing it as a group and playing hard. And you know, usually those are the things that end up. Uh, end up winning games and you know you know obviously when when you're in sync and you're playing with four other guys who who love each other and play well together there's just no better feeling there is no better it's it's interesting so you know i've been i've been coaching aau basketball now for a couple years i coached it with my dad when i was still a player and then you know when i got into broadcasting i probably should have continued to do it It just it was hard with the time and kids so now i have a i have we have a 14 that I don't coach. I just occasionally help at practice. We have a 13. We have two 13s. We have a 12 and 11 teams. And the 13 U has gotten to be really good. And and they're, I think if you ask the parents honestly, they would say like individually our kids are just okay, but collectively now that we have this really strong group, they're they're like a a good solid team. We're not good enough yet to compete with like the the super elite crazy talented teams yet but it's one of those things where i'm kind of i'm committed to these families like look i don't know if we'll, like, we probably will never win one of the big tournaments okay but your kid's going to get better and they're going to learn to play as a team because i think that 
I think that lasts longer than, hey, I'm going to go join this team with a couple of superstar dudes and win a tournament, but have no real kind of, uh, no real really a piece of the pie. You know, I was just, I was the guy that stood in the corner and shot the ball when it came to me. Right. So it's, it's interesting. I feel the same way. I love, there's nothing like going to a park, right. With four of your buddies or picking up a couple of dudes or whatever, and then running the, and just running the court regardless of how good other dudes are, but just playing as a team like that. I think that's the best part of the sport is that a team can beat more talented individuals if they figure out each other's strengths and weaknesses and play together. No, absolutely. And, and yeah, like I said, you know, I grew up, I love the uh, the Gilbert Arenas Wizards team, which obviously didn't do a, a tremendous amount of winning in the playoffs. But, you know, Karan Butler, Tough Juice, was was so fun to watch every night. He, he played unbelievably hard. You know, Antoine was an incredible scorer. Obviously, you know, Gilbert's one of the biggest tragedies in basketball history, how, you know, how talented he was and how much uh, winning they could have done if he had stayed healthy. But, uh, yeah, I mean, to be perfectly honest, I, I was a high school tennis player. I didn't really – you know, love it until I got to, to college. And once I got there, you know, I played pickup at the rec center probably almost every single day. And just my love for the game grew exponentially. And, you know, you end up playing three hours every single day with, you know, 50 other guys at the rec center there. And it's just, uh, you know, a, a tremendous bonding experience and, and, and so fun when you're winning and, and playing hard and playing together. And uh, yeah, it's just, uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful game. And I was lucky lucky enough to get to spend a long time uh, working in it. Okay. So uh, let, let's go to Maryland before who was the point guard before Vasquez. Okay. It was, uh, it was, uh, what's the dude. I'm trying to think what's the dude's name. He tinkered with going to the throws and didn't. And then it was a disaster when he came back. Oh, uh, uh, John Gilchrist. John Gilchrist. John <laughs> Gilchrist. Yeah. Cause that was, that was my, that was, I think, I, I almost feel like that was like the downfall of Jerry really is that he suffered through after those back-to-back final fours, one being a championship, obviously what uh, Villanova went through when they went to their first final four um, Oklahoma state went through after the Oh four and Oh five teams. Um, I think Georgia tech did this after they were runner up in Oh four was and we've seen you know Syracuse has gone through this after they went to Final Fours where you go to a Final Four you win a national championship but now you can recruit anybody you want right but they're right. not OKGs they're not your kind of guy they're not the guys that the program was built around right and they're a little bit a little bit entitled and their expectations are to just show up and hoop and win and there's a, like a a, a, a skip of a step and they're not as invested in the program. That's my outside perception of what happened during the Gilchrist era. Is that a fair perception of somebody who was on campus at the time? Uh, yeah. So, you know, I think I, I got to campus probably right after him, you know, the, the start of Gravis and Eric Hayes when, when things were a little bit better, but you know, that, that sounds about right. I mean, I think Gary was definitely better uh, without the five-star recruits, without the McDonald's all Americans. He, he certainly didn't love to love to recruit in the first place. Didn't love to recruit those guys in particular because, you know, like you said, that they tended to come with a, a sense of entitlement. And you know, he was much more into the uh, the Vasquez's and the Juan Dixons and the Blakes and the guys that were under recruited and that ended up having a chip on their shoulder and that he could, you know, push relentlessly hard to 
achieve a lot more than anybody thought. But uh, yeah, Gilchrist definitely, you know, besides that moment in the ACC tournament didn't work out tremendously well. And then, you know, actually the year he ended up retiring after was after Jordan Williams's uh, sophomore season where he went to the draft, you know, I think was a, a high second round pick, but he left too early, you know, could have come back and, and been a tremendous player as a junior and, you know, ends up flaming out of the NBA and like, after like a season, um, you know, it was just way too immature to go. And I think, you know, after that happened, Gary was just kind of done with it and, and decided he'd had enough dealing with that kind of, of nonsense. But uh, yeah, he definitely did a lot better with, uh, you know, the guys that were thought of lesser for sure. Um, okay. So you get done in college. Grad, uh, you're like grad assistant, and then how'd you get how'd you get in the league? So it's funny actually. So after uh, after Gary's last season, I I emailed uh, Tommy Shepard, you know, who's now the Wizards GM. He was the assistant GM at the time, and honestly, I just wanted to uh, to pick his brain. I just asked if I could take him to lunch, you know, ask him a few questions, find out, uh, you know, some tips and things from him, and. I happened to mention what I had done, you know, at Maryland in, in the film room and everything there. And, uh, you know, at the time, the Wizards had one guy working like 120 hour weeks in the video room who was just completely overwhelmed. And, uh, you know, they said they could use some help. And I got to come in and interview with him. Uh, and then I actually ended up interning for the Wizards uh, my last two years of college, just working, you know, for a lot less hours in their film room, even remotely. Um, and then right when I graduated Maryland, actually, I, I got to become uh, full time uh, as the head video coordinator uh, traveling with the uh, with the Wizards. OK, so here's my question. Okay, you've been a basketball fan. You didn't play basketball in high school. You start playing basketball and loving the game in college. And you, and from the money ball idea of it, you understood the analytics probably above that of many of the older guys, even in the Wizards uh, front office. Right. Because because, you know, we were. Well, we were raised in a, not, not anti-analytics, but that just wasn't the way which data was collected or really deciphered, right? But mm -hmm. you also hadn't studied the game the way that you study the game or have to allow others to study the game when you're cutting up film. So when you first start watching film of NBA games and breakdowns, what, what I, I'm just, I, I'll just tell you personally, like the, the, as a player, what jumped out to me, I remember, was um, so my after my junior year, uh, I think it's after my sophomore, my junior year. Um, there used to be a rule where you could go and work out with NBA teams. You just had to pay your own way. You could, they couldn't pick up anything. They could give you a jersey and some shorts, and a T-shirt. So I went to a, a Trailblazer. Mark Workington hooked me up. I went to a, a Trailblazers mini camp, and uh, this was Jermaine O'Neal was maybe in his second year in the league, so no one knew how good Jermaine O'Neal was going to be. Um, mm -hmm. And this is when they were the trail the the Jailblazers, right? They, but they had dudes. They had Rashid, they had Greg Anthony, they had Bonzi. I mean, they had yeah. fucking dudes, right? And so the the couple things I remember my first foray into professional basketball was one goddamn everybody's long right like everybody's long right you know uh it, there's there's not one guy that you're like oh well he's a normal like everybody walks in and they're like fucking condors and which which makes 
the way I, I see basketball as a player is, you know, through windows and, you know, where a pass is going to go, where it, an angle for a drive, where the space is to create a shot. And these windows close up so fast because even when they're beaten, they're not really beaten because they just they have long arms and big hands and and great ability to react. So so the length of players was stunning to me. And I, I, how much like you you think you've been around good shooters, you know, and I used to play pick up all with Scotty Brooks. It's interesting about about the Wizards. So Scotty. <laughs> was a legend. He grew up, I, I'm a, again, Orange County. He played UC Irvine and he and guys named uh, uh, Todd Thornton and Willie McGee and, and Todd Murphy, all guys that played in the NBA and played overseas. They, they all would play pickup ball at this, uh, at a couple of spots in Orange County. And so I'd seen like how they could shoot in games, you know, uh-huh. but I, I, I don't think I had a healthy respect for just how fucking good they were. Right. Like, I don't think I, I just don't think it translates to people. It's like I had a conversation with a, a uh, with um, somebody the other day, and they were they were trying to tell me like, well, you know, NBA players only shoot fifty percent. So you know, if, I was like, okay, you have to understand, NBA players shoot, you know, forty percent from three and fifty from two in an NBA game against NBA players. If you put an NBA player in a workout in a gym. They shoot a like 85, 90. It's unbelievable how good they are. I don't even guys that can't shoot can shoot. They just can't shoot in an NBA game. Right. So those are the two things that jumped out to me. Yeah. You're a college kid. You start breaking down film, working all hours of the night. Or what do you remember about the first couple of things you thought and learned about the NBA that you didn't know previously? Yeah. First thing comes to mind definitely is a little bit of a story, but uh, you know, that, the fact that just not everybody loves the game, you know, uh, I, I went from Maryland, like I said, where Gary would be cussing guys out if we're only up 50 at halftime against Longwood uh, to my first NBA experience being, uh, you know, the locker room with the Wizards, JaVale McGee, Andre Blotch, Nick Young, Jordan Crawford at the time, uh, walking in at halftime down 20, laughing about it. Um, so, you know, that, that was just a, it was a terrible culture at the time. And, you know, you realize, like I said, a lot of those guys just just do it for the paycheck. They do it because they're seven feet tall and, you know, that they happen to be great at it. But it doesn't necessarily mean that they, you know, really love the game and are, are all out nuts about basketball like like we are, for example. Um, you know, yeah. so you definitely see that. And absolutely, you know, the, the part about uh, how talented every single guy is, you know, just jumps off the page. I mean, you know, we, we'd have some games. I remember uh, Phil Pressey, I think, was on like a 10-day contract with the Celtics, and we didn't even think he would play. He was like, you know, 14th on their depth chart or something. And so uh, he actually wasn't even on the scouting report. He ends up getting in the game and gives us like 20, and they they win the game. <laughs> and after the game, Randy Whitman comes in the film room like, why the fuck wasn't Phil Pressey on the scouting report? You know, just because, yeah. Like, you don't dude, he's on a, dude, he's on a 10-day, bro. Exactly. Yeah. And he, and he killed us. So, you know, you see that all the time, guys that are 14, 15 guys on the roster, guys that are, you know, 40 that you think are about done and they come out and, you know, you, you, you take them lightly or, or think they can't do something and that's when they kill you. So, yeah, you absolutely see that. And then, you know, last of all, I'll give you a two. I mean, you kind of mentioned the, the analytics and I definitely came in the game like thinking that I was going to be a huge analytics guy. And, you know, like I said, I grew up on the money ball stuff, but 
once you really get to it, once you're in all the coaches meetings, you know, watching film with guys that have done it for 30 years and, and, you know, just pour over every single detail, every little meticulous uh, aspect of everything in the game, you know, you really realize that the analytics and the stats show very little uh, of how much actually goes into winning basketball games. So it's funny. I, I actually started probably very extreme on that analytics end and ended up drifting where now I'd say, um, you know, almost all I test because I, I think the stats just do a pretty terrible job overall measuring, you know, what, what really wins basketball games. What, what do you think it misses? Uh, <laughs> you know, where, where do you start? I mean, you know, even Daryl Morey, like the biggest analytics GM, obviously, I, I, he has some quote that's like, you know, the basketball box score is, is absolutely worthless. You know, how, how many people just look at, oh, Zach Levine's a bucket. He scored, you know, 40 points tonight and don't see that, you know, he, he missed 10 reads on pick and rolls. He missed five rotations. You know, he uh, 50-50 balls, hockey assists, all those things don't even, you know, don't even get measured for the most part. Um, you know, so it's that. And then, like I said, it's also just competitiveness. I think defense, we don't really measure at all well with, with the box score. I mean, you know, there's some things of plus minuses and things like that that, I think do okay, but uh, yeah, you know, I think defense is almost impossible to measure. Most of the best defenders are the ones, you know, getting lit up by the best offensive players every night. So obviously, you know, their stats take a little bit of a beating, um, but yeah, you know, it, it's just so hard to capture the impact of, of five guys playing on a string and, and being locked in together, uh, you know, with a stat sheet. It's, it's that, that's a fascinating thing. Now, what are your thoughts on plus minus? You know, it, it definitely has has some value and, and there's a few ways to like adjust it where certainly it, it's it's worth at least being a, a piece of the puzzle. Um, you know, and I'm a believer of like Rich Cho, I think, always had a saying that was eyes, ears and numbers. Right. Numbers have to be a part of the equation, but you also have to, you know, pass the eye test. You have to listen to what coaches, what scouts are saying. Um, you know, and I think plus minus, for example, like has always uh, been used against the guy like like DeMar DeRozan because, you know, okay, in the, the 10 minutes he's not on the court, uh, sometimes his teams have done a little better than the 40 minutes he's on. But, you know, they, they discount that almost every single team he's on has won 50 games year after year after year. And he has such a overall, you know, tremendous impact on the game. And they just crush a player like him just because he can't shoot threes. You know, that doesn't mean that he's still not a uh, an incredibly efficient scorer. He, he makes so many plays for his teammates. And, and like I said, he, he's played winning basketball so long for Toronto. He he gets to San Antonio in his first year. They they lose, you know, their starting point guard for the season. Everybody thinks they're going to be awful. And, and they win 48 games uh, his first year there. So, you know, I think there's just so many guys like that that, uh, that the stats just – uh, you know, fail to fail to appreciate fully. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh my! Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. 
Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Uh, okay, so who is the, the least appreciated guy from your perspective? Is, is it DeMar? Yeah, I, I think long term, you know, at least over the last 10 years or so, I think he's gotten the most uh, most undue hate, probably. I, I think, you know, ben, ben Simmons is up there as well. I think we get so lost in the fact that, yeah, obviously, you know, he doesn't have a jumper and that's a big uh, a fatal flaw that tends to show up in the playoffs. But that doesn't mean, you know, like I said, he doesn't still impact the game incredibly by being one of the best five probably defenders in the league and being an incredible passer and his feel for the game and uh, all those things, I, I think are why Philadelphia is first in the East right now. And he's, he's playing amazing basketball. And if you look online, you still see nothing but people killing him every single day for his shot. Uh, he's up there. And the last guy I'll say, you know, James Harden too. Uh, obviously he's, he's had playoff failings. He's uh, you know, ha- had questionable commitment at times and some things definitely that, that drive me nuts, but, you know, it also drives me nuts when you hear that he's like a ball hog or selfish when he's leading the league in assists. He's had plenty of seasons, 10, 11 assists a game. He's, you know, you watch him play. I mean, his, his feel for the game's off the charts. His, his floor vision's incredible. And he's he's also a better defender than, than people think. Um, you know, and I think it's it's sad now that he's he felt he had to go to to Brooklyn and a super team because, you know, he was just getting crushed by the the narratives of, you know, not being good enough to get over the hump with a, with a team that, that wasn't amazing, quite frankly. And, you know, now that's what happens. All these guys feel that they have the need then to join forces and go to a super team just so they can get a ring to, you know, to appease uh, Twitter and the public. Like like, no, like validates, somehow that validates their career when it it, it shouldn't, you know, it's, it's interesting. It's yeah. like, and I have to be very cautious of this myself, right? Like we, we can't make uh, getting a ring the only thing that matters because when we do, then guys pursue a ring and then suddenly they're the bad guy, right? Like, you're yeah. like I, I mean, that's, that's really, that's, that's really Kevin, the, the story of Kevin Durant's career, right? Whereas he's, 
he, he was playing Oklahoma City, okay, and he was playing two on five against the Warriors. I, I know they're up three to one. I, I, I get it. Okay, but you had Steven Adams who's a non-scorer. You had Andre Robertson who's a non-scorer. Um, trying to think who else they had who was there. Um, who else was who else there? Oh, they had they had Abaca who was a, who was a shoot. Abaca was on that team, right? They had Abaca, so yeah. Abaca could shoot. But then you have Russ is not a shooter, right? So I but I remember when they're playing against the Warriors, the Warriors put two guys in the zone, and just two guys right there at the elbows. So when when he catch catch at, at his elbows, he was constantly double teamed, or there's just nowhere to go. So he goes somewhere where they're like, hey, we're going to give you all the space in the world. He gets all the space in the world, gets LeBron on an island, and like, you can't guard that fucking guy. And he wins a couple championships, would have won a third one, and suddenly he's the bad guy because he got tired, you know, trying to carry a team that wasn't constructed to the way in which it could truly show how magnificent a scorer he is. So I and, – and look, again, I, I'm, I won't apologize for – some of the social media stupid shit he's done with the burner accounts, whatever. And, and maybe for, uh, you know, his lack of understanding of how other people would handle him leaving. And I do think there's a right way and a wrong way to leave. Even if you do leave all, all that stuff, I actually understand. Like I, 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 it'd be, it'd have to be really, really one on five is hard. Right. Yeah. It, I'll give you, I'll give you a, a story real quick. So obviously I wasn't a scorer ever since high school. And my first year playing professionally, I, I was playing with a team called Euro Great. We won the Russian championship. We're the first team not named Seska to win the Russian championship. And we were, uh, you know, I joined in January and we were stacked. I mean, we had uh, four or five good Russians. We had three good Lithuanians. We had uh, the best player in Ukraine. And the reason that matters is they all counted as Russians. And then we had Willie Burton and me. And I played this American that year. And we kicked everybody's ass. And uh, we were so good that we won the league by like four games. And so we advanced automatically to the semifinals of the playoffs. Well, when we won the league by four games, there were still two games left to be played. And I was 24 and all these other guys are late 20s and 30s. And somehow they were like, we're going to go take a break. Like they got to all, Willie got to go home. Uh, one of the Russian dudes lived in Spain. He went to Spain. And all of a sudden, like, uh, you know, I was a, uh, I, I would start some and six man some. And suddenly, like, they all pieced out. And I was playing, I played against Seska with the juniors and like one or two of the bench dudes, like the bench scrubby dudes. Right. And um, I was, you know, like, now all of a sudden it was on one part, it was awesome because we're practicing. We have two games left. And one's against Seska, one was against, I think, uh, Mineral Voda, right? Mineral Water is actually a town in South of Russia. And so, like, now I'm the dude. We're, like, we're running hide, side ball screens, all this shit for me. It's really good. And we get into a game, and everywhere I go, there's two dudes. And remember, like, again, I'm not a scorer. I'm a passer. I'm a facilitator. Like, that's, you know, when you want to be pro, you got to do what you do best. No. But in this particular setting, they're like, dude, we need you to we need you to go get buckets. So my first game playing with that group, I was like two of 14 or something against Seska. And I mean, I, I missed some good looks and I missed a dunk coming down the lane. I had I actually I, I just shot poorly, but it was so hard, so much harder when there was no space 
to do what I wanted to do because I could get by guys. But then the second guy I really struggled with because I was so used to passing off. And the second game against a lesser team, I was, I was much better. But it was one of those things to where everybody thinks they want to be the dude, but you also have to have space to do what you do. And I, I think you, you nailed it with the narrative, right? We create these narratives of you're only an all-time great if you win a champion, but you can't be a champion unless you have other dudes with you. And you, sometimes you can't organically allow that to happen on its own, right? You just can't. So I think it's really hard for these guys. The hardened thing, I'll disagree with you. I'll push back on this point. I, I know that we pick, him, pick, uh, we pick on him for, for some of the defensive stuff, but like he, he, he doesn't guard. I mean, he just doesn't. And now he, I don't think he's as bad as Kyrie is, and I'll explain why in a second, um, but, but he, he doesn't guard. And then there are times in which in the playoffs he tries to guard, and I think that's one of the things that limits him offensively is you go through a season playing one way, and then you get to the playoffs, they're not giving him the fouls the way they used to give it to him. And he's he's trying to guard. And so he's exhausted because playing both ends is really hard. Um, yeah. and, and then I, I, don't, I agree with you. He is not selfish. He's magnificent with the ball. But what they were doing in Houston, allowing him to just, you know, dribble, 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 create the mismatch, dribble, 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 it, it, it becomes a hard watch. And it, do, it takes away from how magnificent his skill set is. I always said, this is my thing on James Hart. He's incredible. Okay. Might be the best offensive player in basketball, but I can't stand to watch him. Now I say that and I actually really like how he's playing with Brooklyn because he's back to being more of a facilitator and he's, he's showing off how good a passer he is. And that kind of stuff, that kind of stuff shows like what people don't understand about James Harden uh, is, is painfully obvious. No, absolutely. I mean, yeah, he, you know, Houston, you got to remember that last year they're playing without a center. You know, they played PJ Tucker's six, five playing, playing center. And, and probably the best aspect of James Harden's game over his career has been his pick and roll passing, you know, so Daryl Morey can say all he wants that, that they have the most efficient offense ever. James Harden's the most efficient player ever, but you know, you know, in, in the playoffs, you need a, you need a mix. You need somebody that can get their own shot in the mid range. You need, you need Kevin Durant, you know, you need guys like that. You can't only take threes or only play, you know, robot ball. And that's what they never understood in Houston too. You know, they just became so predictable in the playoffs and the Lakers just, you know, pressed up like crazy on threes and, and helped like crazy at the rim. And, and Houston just absolutely refused uh, to take a mid-range jumper, which just makes no sense. And yeah, you know, you're seeing again, Harden has real pick and roll options. Now he has talent around him and, you know, the narrative thing, hundred percent, Kevin Durant uh, wasn't good enough without a, without a ring. So he goes to Golden State, gets rings, and then that still doesn't validate him. So he goes back to Brooklyn trying to kind of do his own thing with Kyrie, but then they're still not good enough to win just with those two. So they need more help. And, you know, now the narrative just continues to to cycle and cycle. And, you know, Harden's defense, like I said, uh, you know, he definitely deserves criticism. His lifestyle, I think, has definitely caught up with him a lot in the playoffs. You can't be going out as much as, as he does over the season and expect to have the energy to to do it on both ends, like I said, for, for 40, 45 minutes a night. Um, you know, but, but you saw, like, against the Clippers the other night, one thing I think he's really underrated in is – is post defense and he's just so hard to move, you know, for 
even Kawhi and Abak and all these guys were trying to post him up and, and his, you know, the way he resists post-ups is, is pretty incredible. So I think he definitely, like I said, is, is better than people think, but I, I do agree with you. You know, he's marginally better than Kyrie on that end and, and still definitely, definitely not great. Uh, well, my, my, here, here's my thing with Kyrie and some of this is inside info, right? From people who have played with him or people that have coached him or been around people that coach him. It's it's not that Kyrie's bad on defense. He's not very good on defense. It's that Kyrie is he doesn't know he's bad on defense, right? Or he refuses <laughs> to, you know, the 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 easiest example that I like to give is they played the Celtics, they played the the Bucks in the playoffs when he's with the Celtics. And their defensive scheme was to switch everything except for Kyrie, you know, which is basically what Golden State does with Steph, right? Where mm-hmm. he stays home and everybody else, everybody else switches. And under no uncertain circumstances did they want him guarding Giannis, right? They're like, that's, we don't want that. Okay. Yeah. We're going to protect you. And he kept switching out on Giannis and not just switching out, but then switching out and like challenging Giannis. And, you know, these, the, the coaches are just like, what, what the fuck, dude? Like we're, we're actually trying to protect you so that you can be the great offensive player that you are and not have to worry about defense. And, you know, here you, you know, not have to worry about, you know, guarding the, you know, the best score maybe in the league. And, you know, you're, you're, you're doing your own thing, which is, I, that's the frustrating part about Kyrie. It's not that he's better. And I agree with you on, on Harden. That's a great point that he's actually a really good, he's incredibly strong. He's big. He is a good post defender, which always is funny to me when, when teams, you know, try and attack him and ISO him the post. No, dude, take him out in the court. That's when he just belays. You know, yeah. and then he, you know, he olays and it used to work in Houston when they had Capella because he could olay and go ahead, go to the rim. You got that big fellow waiting to block your shot, you know? So, uh, okay. So let me, let me ask you about, about, about Brooklyn. Does it, in the end, do you think it works? I think, you know, I, th- I think they definitely have a, a tremendous chance to at least make the finals. Uh, to me, I think they're the best best equipped team in the east uh you know i still don't buy milwaukee as, as a playoff team i still you know philly obviously is going to struggle with with ben's shot um you know if they play like they did against the clippers which was probably the best defensive game i've ever seen Kyrie play quite frankly i mean he was you know probably the best game i've ever seen him play period considering how good he was offensively too um you know if they're that locked in absolutely but like you said i mean the the million dollar question is you know, you don't know if Kyrie just decides in, in, in a month that he's going to take two weeks to go uh, canvas around the country and do whatever else uh, he wants to do. I mean, he's just a, a tremendously bizarre individual that nobody's really been able to figure out completely. And, uh, yeah, you know, I think it's a huge test to a, a first-time, not only head coach, but first-time coach, really, in, in Steve Nash. And I think at times he's looked overwhelmed. I think you know, he, he doesn't take the timeout uh, against the Wizards with them up two, inbounding the ball under their own basket with like five seconds left. They throw it away and Westbrook hits a three. I mean, you know, it, it's a huge question mark for him. But, um, you know, ultimately, I, I think it'd be pretty hard to bet against Kyrie Harden and Kevin Durant. And I, I do think they have enough in terms of role players and defensive minded guys to you know, just enough to make it work if those three guys are, again, playing like they did against the Clippers the other night. But obviously, you know, it's going to be all up to the mental. And, and if they can, uh, 
you know, stick together and, and manage Kyrie well enough to, to make it across the finish line. Yeah, I, I think you make a there's a series of great points you made there, which are interesting. And the fact that they he did all of that, they did all that against the Clippers is probably the 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 best way to get into best way to say it, right? Like the the magic to the NBA is yeah, uh, yes, I think Kyrie can lock in for a series against the Bucks, for a series against the Celtics, especially he'd love to do, right? A series against the the the, the Clippers against the Lakers. The question is, can they get there, right? Can they, can yep. they, can they get to that part of the finish line, where, um, okay, now now your competitive juices are flowing, and now you can, and and that's the part where we just don't just don't know. Does does anybody know what that dude's like? I I I do wonder if KD even understands what he partnered with. You know, it's like when you're friends with somebody, it's it's. It's like when you're dating somebody and then all of a sudden you're living with them. It's so, so different. Yeah. Right? yeah. I mean, just a completely different experience. Um, I mean, it's the reason that the bachelor and bachelorette, like they never make it right. Cause it's all fantasy. And then all of a sudden you get back to reality. You're like, wait a second, this person's a slob. This person's right. an idiot. You know, this person has no drive. Yeah. Um, so it does. Okay. Um, where are you on the Clippers this year as opposed to last year? You know, I, I think obviously at, at times last year they they look great. You know, in, in a lot of the regular season they look great. A lot of the early playoffs. I mean, ultimately, you know, like we talked about, the the narrative with them is just going to be, do they make it to the finals or not? And anything short of that is going to be is going to be probably viewed as as a failure again. Certainly, you know, if they don't at least make it to to play the Lakers in the conference finals. Um, you know, I I think. Doc, uh, quite frankly, really did get out coached by Mike Malone last year. And, um, you know, I, I think a big upgrade for them was not only getting, you know, uh, promoting Ty Lu, but what they've done with the, the assistance there has been really important to get, you know, Dan Craig, who's a great preparation guy from Miami, Kenny Atkinson, Larry Drew, Chauncey Billups, Roy Rogers. You know, he's got a really good staff around him now, I think better than, better than what Doc had, um, you know, but can Batum keep this up? I mean, he looked near comatose in Charlotte and he's shooting like 40 something percent from three and just been unbelievable for them. You know, the whole team shooting like above 40% from three They're They're all playing tremendously well together, but uh, yeah, I mean, like we said, you know, the question marks all going to be about the playoffs and, and Paul George clearly is, uh, you know, going to have a lot of, uh, chances to get in his own head in the playoffs if he if he struggles at all there again um you know so uh do they have enough to overcome that against the lakers uh, i don't know I, I think those two teams pretty much are are coin flip uh still if, if they you know face themselves in the uh in the western conference finals there are some things that are too good to keep a secret like how your amex platinum card helps you have the perfect trip i'd like to check into the centurion lounge or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notify, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. 
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Um, okay, so, and then the, the Lakers this year. You know, it's, it's interesting um, that... I think the Clippers, it was a lot for year one, but they were probably, uh, the, I don't, I don't, I didn't love the Lakers roster last year, but it came together. Part of it was they were in the bubble and they, you know, I, 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 I don't think they, you know, it's funny. Everybody says the Clippers, you know, succumbed to the bubble. The truth is the Lakers were on the brink there too, but what happened with them was interesting was they weren't doing so well, uh, emotionally and, uh, they were all ready to go home, and uh, then they had then the 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 dealing the tragedy in Kenosha happened right with, and and there was the protest. So they actually had missed two game days, which gave them all time to kind of rest and recharge their bodies. And then you, you know they played shortly after. Then they advanced to take on the Rockets, and the Rockets first it was a terrible matchup for the Rockets, right? Because the Rockets could only play small. And so, as you point out, like the, the Lakers had a great game plan and really matched up well. And then, you know, Russell starts talking shit to him, which, you know, supercharged everybody. And then the Clippers lose and they're like, well, how we can win this thing. So yeah. a, a lot of it was, it, 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 you know, they, it's interesting how we tell we're going to go back and tell the story of the bubble and lead out the fact that the Lakers weren't doing so hot for a, for a good portion of time. That, that said, I like a lot of the things they've done to their roster. I just we make this assumption that we know what Dennis Schroeder is going to be like in the playoffs. We have no idea. I've, I've no idea how he's going to react in real pressure situations. Um, and uh, you know, I think there are times in which Kuz looks better. There are times in which he does not. Um, and I also wonder, like we we we, th- this is my biggest problem with with all of us collectively not just, and I have this problem too, is we see one thing and it affirms what we think and that's what we ride. So, you know, LeBron looks incredible against the Bucks, 
keep in mind he looked like shit against the Warriors, didn't play well against the the the, the Bulls. I and mean, he's not expected to be magnificent every night, but there are nights in which he looks like he's in his mid-late 30s and has played 18 years in the NBA. I'm interested in what LeBron is, the, the percentage of times in which he can be LeBron when we get to the playoffs, considering it's not just this year, it's last year. You know, it's there, there wasn't time off. And we can say, hey, he's got this great body, whatever. But like at some point, father time does start to catch up to you. So again, my question to you, Lakers this year, what do you think of the roster, how they're playing, and what it looks like once we get to the playoffs? Yeah, I mean, you know, when when you have LeBron and AD, it, it, it's hard hard to to really screw that up. You know, you'd be hard pressed to put a roster together that they can't find some way to to complement those two. Uh, you know, come playoff time, I mean, certainly I, I agree with you about Schroeder 100%. You know, I I think one thing I was definitely on all season last year, Lakers fans were just bitching incessantly all season long about Rondo and his regular season stats and all those things, but anybody that knew basketball knew that he's, he's a genius, you know, he's a savant. They knew in the playoffs, he would, he would have more and be able to play defense and then, you know, make those lobs and all the, all the things he does, you know? So yeah, is Schroeder the better fit over 72 games and can he play more minutes and can he start? Sure. But you know, will he have the impact Rondo does in terms of leading a team and understanding the game in the playoffs? Probably not. You know, that that's a big question mark. Um, you know, losing, losing Bradley, losing uh, Danny Green's wing defense is, is still certainly a question mark uh, to me. You know, you, you have Crusoe, you have Matthews, you have Horton Tucker's, you know, young and impressive at times. But uh, yeah, you know, that the centers obviously changed a ton. Gasol looked like he was he was out of juice, really, for Toronto in the playoffs. He's, he's looked pretty good for L.A., but certainly big question mark if he can really make it through. Uh, a whole season, you know, Harrell, we talk about the Clippers. He was the one guy that, uh, you know, most of their fans blame for, for their shortcomings in terms of his defense his rebounding at times uh, in the playoffs. So, you know, he, he's definitely still a question mark to some extent. So, yeah, I think, you know, you kind of put it fairly. I think both those teams still have, have big question marks and uh, you know, the Lakers ultimately <laughs> they pulled it out and, and the Clippers choked at the end. So the narrative is that the Lakers were, some drastically better team, but you know, I think the truth is closer to they, they were both pretty damn close last season. Uh, you know, they probably were probably the best two teams in the league ultimately. Um, you know, and I think we'll get to see that this year in terms of them meeting in the Western conference finals. And I, I think to me that that's basically uh, the NBA finals. You know, I, I think they're, they're ultimately going to be the two best teams in the league. Um, you know, and whoever wins that I, I think should, should be able to beat the, uh, Brooklyn or whoever comes out of the East. If you can pick one player right now in the NBA, who would it be? This is to build around or like for right for one game? No, for one season, this season. Still got to go LeBron. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, you said, you know, 36, but he's he's like Brady. You know, he's he hasn't shown really any signs of, of losing his – his mental genius. And I think just on both ends continues to be the most dominant player, you know, especially come playoff time. Uh, so despite any videos of him coasting or whatever, at times in the regular season, you ultimately know, you know, he's going to be the best player most likely uh, come playoff time. 
It's interesting because uh, I think the Brady comparison is a good one because sometimes there's there's two things that having a guy like that does to your to, uh, to your franchise, right? One, it gives everybody a belief. Like he walks in the door, you're like, okay, we want to win, and this guy knows how to win, right? And Le- LeBron is kind of he's kind of evolved, right? He 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 has like last year he just and I don't know if it was Vogel or if it was him. But at some point they figured out like, you know, the offense is going to come and go. Let's just be the best fucking defensive team in the league. And they were unbelievable. And he's not nearly as – his defense is on the micro what his game is on the macro, which is he's not as as good defensively on the ball as he used to be. Can't defend the rim. Sometimes he doesn't – sometimes he has nights where he doesn't move that well. But he's so intellectually ahead of everybody else. He's a great leader. And he knows to pick his spots and how to hide defensively at times. So he doesn't overextend himself or look bad. Like there's a, you know, so he he protects himself from himself, which is amazing. But that's kind of his whole game, right? Like he doesn't go one-on-one nearly as much. He lets Anthony Davis do that. And now he'll, because he's become a much better three-point shooter, he'll settle for threes. And he'll take halves off of, of really extending himself, saving himself for the fourth quarter. Right? It, but there's a lot of Brady to it where it, even if it's not real, there's, there's just this belief that he's going to win and he's going to figure it out. And that's the Brady thing. Brady's not close to a top five quarterback. And they, he played like shit in the NFC championship game. But you know, that first drive, they get the ball, they march down the field, and they score. And you're like, oh, Tom Brady. What do you got, right? And LeBron, right. they're they're very similar in that way. In that they 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 believe that they're going to win at the end of the day, and everybody else believes in them. And they're not better, but they're so much smarter than they ever were previously, even in their career. That they're that they're a step ahead of everybody else. Yeah, absolutely. And it's you know it's just the IQ is is off the charts. You yes. know, he's. He's the smartest player of all time. Um, right you know, yeah. There's, yeah. there's stories going around about Patrick Patterson. I, I remember once forgot a play uh, for the Raptors, and, and LeBron walked him through <laughs> their play, like what, what the Raptors were yeah, supposed yeah. to do. He knew it better than Patterson did. Um, and, yeah, is you know that's, again, stuff that just doesn't show up in the stat sheet, that he, he knows every single play in every team's playbook. He, he knows exactly where he's supposed to be, where everybody's supposed to be. And yeah, I mean, he's like the, you know, he's like the quarterback defensively, offensively, obviously that IQ is off the charts too. And he just, he just manages a game uh, to a T. So. Last thing. Okay. So how can people get your stuff, your pod, your breakdown? Yeah. Just a uh, scout with Brian, uh, scout with Brian with a Y. If you type that in on Twitter, YouTube, or the scout with Brian podcast, those are the three main ways to find my stuff at, uh, at scat with Brian. If, if you are going to tell, if there's a, a college kid who's listening, I actually have a, a friend who's a college kid and he wants to be a GM in the league and he studies it. He's working for an agent as well. But if you're, you're tell somebody, all right, when you get done with college, here's what you should do. If you want to be in the league, what would it be? uh fucking grind <laughs> that's what i'll say you know like i'm a i'm a 510 jewish kid that that played high school tennis like i said you know and, and got to be uh, a full-time traveling video coordinator in every coach's meeting right out of college you know and that 
yeah, I'm, I'm not trying to toot my own horn or, or say I was better than anybody or anything, but what I tried to pride myself on was, was, you know, being the first one in the office last to leave and just working my ass off. And, and that's the only way you can kind of make up that gap. You know, if you weren't a, a player, weren't a tremendous athlete or anything. So, you know, like sports, ultimately a, a lot of that stuff is about the, about work ethic. So grinding, grinding. Hey man, listen, I, I really appreciate you joining us. I love the, the back and forth and some of the DMS we have on stuff. And uh, at some point, let's break bread in person in the future. And uh, this this was great. Let's 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 do it again as the season rolls on. Thanks. Uh, I I appreciate your input and your knowledge, and uh, and you joining us on the pod. You too. Thank you, Doug. Really appreciate you having me. Enjoyed it. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific. All right. My thanks to Brian. Follow him on social media. He's awesome. Keep the questions coming. We always try and do some NBA, some college, some great personalities. Um, if you missed any of the other ones, there's some great other all balls. Download them wherever you download this podcast. Remember, my show is 3 to 6 Eastern or 12 3 Pacific every day on Fox Sports Trade or FoxSportTrade.com, the iHeartRadio app. I'm Doug Gottlieb. This is All Ball. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists, like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex.